Hello and welcome to A Novel Process, the podcast about what it's really like to write a book. My name is May Jasper. Okay, gang, this is episode six of the podcast where I am writing a novel and every fortnight I make an episode to tell you how it's going. And if I'm going to be honest, this fortnight, it's not going great. Up until very recently, I could have sworn that I had finally cracked it, that I had finally worked out what the perfect narrative structure, the through line that was going to work for this whole book was going to be. And then late last week, I realized that there's a problem with the perfect structure, which is, I'll be honest, like not just a bummer, but really quite demoralizing. And the thing is, I mean, I should have expected it because so far that seems to be kind of the cycle of novel writing. Yeah, there has been repeated times over the last whatever it is now, three months, something terrifying, where I've thought that I cracked it, thought that I was onto a winner, and then realized that there's some problem. This happens all the time. But I was a bit worried because normally I'm not coming into a podcast in a situation where the last thing that happened is that I realized there's a huge problem with the novel. (laughs) And I thought, actually, maybe that's not a problem. Maybe that's an opportunity, as we always try to think of these things. Like, So far in these podcasts, I've always come to you guys having solved a problem with a new idea or with some kind of revelation I wanted to tell you about. And just out of luck, I haven't ever had to come to you with just a problem I don't know how to solve. But that is a real part of the process, right? I spend a lot of my time in that situation where I have a problem and I'm feeling pretty down about it. And I hope that I'm going to come up with a solution, but I don't know what it is. So this episode, I'm going to tell you what my perfect idea was. I'm going to tell you what the problem is, but I'm not going to tell you the solution because I I don't know what it is. Hopefully, in two weeks, I'll come back and be able to tell you. Maybe it'll take a month. Maybe I'll come back in two weeks and I will have completely forgotten that I ever had a perfect solution. I will have moved on so far that it's way in the rearview mirror and none of this matters. But when you make a diary-style podcast, sometimes you have to diarize the shit days. So here we go. My previous perfect idea of the novel I've since realised, had a lot in common with the narrative structure of 1999's teen classic, She's All That. Those of you cinema aficionados obviously won't need a refresher on the plot summary of She's All That, but just in case you've forgotten this now 20-something-year-old movie, the basic idea of the plot is that you have Freddie Prince Jr. and he makes a bet with his friend that he can turn any girl, no matter how unpopular, into the most popular girl in school. And to win the bet, he finds an unpopular girl, who I believe was played by Rachel Lee Cook, and the fact that we had two actors with three names in them is probably like a mark of Satan or something, but that's not the point. The point is, he finds an unpopular girl, and he lies to her, and tells her that he likes her, and that he wants to be her friend, and uh, and then he helps her to become popular. But along the way, as he is helping her, he falls in love with her. Oh no. And then she finds out that he lied to her and that there was a bet. She's shocked and dumps him and then, you know, everybody apologises and there's a resolution. Yada, yada, yada. That's the plot of She's All That. The plot from my book is very similar, as I say, except that instead of Freddie Prince Jr., we have a guy called Dave who lives in Malunda Bay. I'm not going to go through and explain too much about the exact setup of the book in this episode because I don't have time. So I really, really suggest that if (laughs) if this is your first episode, I apologise, a lot of what I'm about to say won't make any sense. For those of you who've been with me for six episodes, you'll be fine. So Dave lives in Melinda Bay. 
and he's the one with the job of finding the 15 human brains that the aliens, the Gaelk, need to repair their spaceship. Yeah. So if we're thinking about it in, in she's all that terms, he's made a bet with somebody who said, you'll never be able to find 15 human brains to give to aliens. And Dave said, yes, I can. And if Dave wins the bet, he gets millions of dollars. Not really a bet. He's being hired, but you know, to keep with the she's all that thing. So what Dave does is instead of going to Rachel Lee Cook, he goes to an old age home and he talks to people who are dying and he lies to them about what will happen if they donate their brains to aliens, in much the same way that Freddie Prince Jr. lies to Rachel Lee Cook. It's a very similar situation. And he convinces them, yeah? He's successful in convincing people to give over their brains, but in the process of convincing them, he falls in love with them. Not in romantic love, but he starts to care about them, and he starts to, even more than that, he starts to feel good about the person that he is in this situation, yeah? In my head, Dave is kind of like a, you know, a salesman character, a charmer, someone who's good at over-promising and hasn't previously ever worried about the fact that he's over-promising and promising more than he can deliver. But now, in this situation, suddenly he is, he's selling a product that has a real impact. He's talking to people who are going to die and promising them something other than you will die and your life will be over and you will rot in the ground and mean nothing, yeah? And he likes being that person, but he's promising them more than he can deliver. And so when his lies are found out, they feel betrayed by him. Again, much in the same way as Rachel Lee Cook. Now, I'm being a bit flip here and I'm comparing my story to She's All That, making it sound kind of stupid because I want to highlight the problem. But let me be clear, I really love this version of the story. There's still things about it that I really, really love, particularly I think the idea of someone who is charismatic and good with people and has always used that to fool people, them coming to the realisation that by telling the truth in a charismatic way, by using their knowledge of people to comfort someone, that they can make a more meaningful connection with the world. I, I like that idea. And I like the weirdness of the whole setup. I like trying to convince people to give up their brains. I like the idea that there are these salamanders that need human brains. There's lots of it that's good. But the problem is highlighted by the comparison with She's All That. And the problem is about the lies that Dave tells. So in She's All That, Freddie Prince Jr.'s lie is that he tells Rachel Cook that he cares about her. Yeah, it's not, he doesn't tell her about the bet. He says instead that he cares about her. And over the course of the movie, that lie becomes true. In the case of Varbuk, it's not a lie. Dave's not telling a lie about his motivations. It's a different kind of lie. Instead, he's lying about what's going to happen to these people's brains if they donate them to the aliens. And the first problem with that lie as opposed to a motivation lie is the truth doesn't change over the course of the narrative, yeah? Freddie Prince Jr. starts off not caring about Rachel Lee Cook and then starts to care about Rachel Lee Cook. Dave lies about what's going to happen with the brains and by the end, even though he now cares about the owners of those brains, the reality of what's going to happen doesn't change. And then the next level is that 
the lie he's going to tell isn't even a good lie. Because in the, my original conception, the idea was that Dave would go into the old people's home and promise them basically immortality. Yeah, you donate your brains to aliens, they preserve them, they make them part of their spaceship, and instead of dying, you get to go on and continue to exist. All your aches and pains of being an old person go away, and you get to explore the stars. That was going to be the lie that he would tell. And then the resolution, the version, instead of Freddie Prince Jr. actually falling in love along the way, Dave was going to realise that while that was not true, what he could offer was actually almost better. Yeah, he couldn't promise immortality, but he could promise that their brains would be preserved, that they wouldn't rot in the ground, and while their consciousness wouldn't still exist, their ability to learn and the skills that they use their brain for and train their brain for would be preserved, because that's what the aliens need. Yeah, the aliens need brain cells that have the ability to retain information and to execute tasks in a particular order. And that that essence of someone, that work and thought and the way that your brain works would be preserved. That's an odd idea. And that's one of the problems. You don't usually want the sort of crux of your narrative, the realisation of your character to take that long to explain. <laughs> it's overcomplicated. But even more than that, if Dave goes in and promises them immortality and the truth is not immortality, the issue is that the immortality he's promising them is not actually very attractive. Yeah, Even a second's thought about it would think, okay, cool, I get to give my brain up to aliens and then I'll continue to exist. But what is that existence going to be like? Yeah? I'm not immortal living in this town where I've lived all my life or surrounded by my loved ones. I'm immortal living in an alien spaceship, and I don't know what that's like, exploring space, which is a very hostile environment, with very little control over what happens to me and no ability to die. So if I hate everything, it's going to go on forever. That's actually a terrible existence. No one should buy that. So if that's what he's selling he'd be better off telling them the truth, right? Maybe he doesn't convince the people who had this romantic notion about being able to explore the stars, but their romantic notion, once they think about it for 15 minutes, is going to go away. <laughs> and he would have been better off from the start talking about the fact that instead of your brain rotting away, it can remain useful and trying to sell people on that idea. So that's my problem. It's irritating because I really like the big ideas involved in it are fun, but I can't find a way, weirdly, I can't find a way for Dave's lie to be simple and a good lie. I can only find a way for it to be complicated and also a bad lie. <laughs> and you might think, well, mate, why doesn't Dave just tell the truth then? If the truth will work, why not tell the truth? The problem, of course, is that in a She's All That style narrative, climax, the difficulty, the narrative problem comes from lying. And so if we can't lie, it can't be she's all that. And if it can't be she's all that, then I'm back to square one. And as I say, I, I genuinely don't know what the solution to this is going to be. I mean, that obviously, there's a lot of kind of more actual horror things that I could do. I talked last episode about how this felt like it was heading in more of a a horror direction. This could be a body snatching story. 
which is kind of what it is now, except that instead of, you know, lying to people about what's going to happen to their brains in order to steal them, we could just straight up steal them. We could go Burke and Hare. Dave could be some guy who's working with the local mortician and smuggling brains out in the middle of the night or digging up graves in a local cemetery. You know, and we also have the potential for this to be much more of a traditional, like, alien invasion story too because at the moment the threat that the aliens are putting down to make people get their brains is for Dave you won't get millions of dollars. Potentially also you won't get a solution to climate change which is what Zykoft potentially represents. But those are both like threats where we're depriving humanity of a carrot, right? The aliens could instead pull out the stick If you don't give us a certain number of brains that we need to fix our spaceship, we're going to come out of our cave and kill some of you and take your brains because we have to get home. And you're, to the aliens, maybe, maybe you could sell it as the aliens feeling like humanity's being selfish. You know, there's a graveyard full, there's a mortuary full of brains sitting there that you won't give us for no reason, for some kind of weird morality that you're inventing and so the aliens then decide to attack then you have a a battle between uh, these aliens who again have these difficulties with cold that we know about the potential to build very cool technology that humans don't know how to deal with and humans have the other side which is weirdly similar to the advantages of Russia in in a land war in winter you know we have the cold We have our environment, we have our adaptability to that environment as a way to beat the aliens. Also worth noting, I've always said that it feels like the climax of this story should be to do with the fact that Psychoft produces heat, by which I mean, and I can't remember if I've mentioned this in a podcast before, but in the current version of the story, Psychoft, you will remember, produces heat when it is triggered by light. And the idea is that the aliens, the Gaelk, are bioluminescent, they emit a small amount of light which triggers the Zykov to produce enough heat to keep them warm. But if that's what happens with that weak amount of light, what happens when you take the Zykov out of the cave and expose it to sunlight? In the current version, in my head, what happens is the Zykov explodes violently in a wave of heat and oxygen which inevitably would trigger fire. This means that when they're transporting Zykoft around, it needs to be in very tightly contained containers. That's not hard to imagine. Just don't expose it to sunlight. But it also makes it a ridiculous weapon, particularly somewhere like, you know, Australia, where all of our (laughs) flora, you had some Zykoft explode near some eucalyptus trees, you start a bushfire that could consume the whole limestone coast, if I wanted. And all that's fun, and I like it, but I got really attached to my she's all that narrative. (laughs) (laughs) and so now even though all of that is fun and even though all of that has the potential to be cool later right now I'm just annoyed and I'm irritated that I hadn't solved the problem when I totally could have sworn that I had that's what I've been thinking about for the last two weeks I'll be back in a fortnight. In the meantime, if you want to keep up with a novel process or if you want to ask questions, give me comments about how we're going, the best way to do that is on the Victorian Theatre Company socials or at our website, victoriantheatre.org. Have a good one. <laughs>